On the last episode of Modern Practice, we began reviewing changes to E&M codes, and on this episode, we'll finish our discussion as we look at more areas and categories affected. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal of Operations and Quality at Vizian and Practicing Internist. I welcome back Sheila Bowles, Senior Consultant Director at Vizian. Sheila, glad to have you back. Glad to be back. Thanks, Tom. So previously, we talked about the changes and deletions regarding some of the codes, and we also took a closer look at observation and inpatient services and at consultations. So let's talk about emergency department services now. What changed there and what got deleted or what exactly happened? So it's really similar to the changes in the outpatient clinic that happened a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and then the inpatient this year. So you're going to be using that medically appropriate history and physical. Again, don't have to check those boxes. Want it to be medically appropriate. And then for the ED, that's a little bit different than those clinic visits and the inpatient is medical decision making is the only determining factor for the level of the code. So time is not a factor for the emergency department. There were also a couple little shifts. So the 99282, now it only needs a straightforward medical decision-making, whereas previously it was low. And then the 99283, now it needs the low medical decision-making, whereas previously that was moderate. And this was done due to some confusion with the previous rules of the 99283 and 99284, both requiring the moderate. Mm -hmm. So kind of needed to differentiate those two levels. So that's why they kind of shifted those 99282 and 283s. I appreciate that they're trying to make an effort towards, quote unquote, simplifying things, but this constant change can actually be a little bewildering. What do you think will be the effects? Well, I think it really should, again, simplify and provide that focus on those cognitive efforts of the provider Hmm. because it's really just going to be that medical decision making. And I always like to give this little story of an emergency department, actually more than one physician has come to me from the emergency department with the old rules Mm -hmm. and that social history. So they would come to me and say, Sheila, why do I need the social history on a patient when I'm fixing a laceration or some of the other things that are going on there? And it really was just so they could get to the right level of care. They were actually actually dinging themselves if they didn't do that, even though they provided all of this cognitive effort and all of this treatment to the patient, they couldn't get to that appropriate level unless they provided that social history to say, yes, the patient was a smoker or was not. It was really an effort there for them to do that in order to get to the appropriate level of what they did. Okay, so I can understand that. But if I understand also correctly, I've been hearing about social determinants of health may have an impact on ENM leveling. Mm -hmm. If so, I mean, what exactly is that impact? Yeah. So as of 2022, so this one's been in place for about a year, Hmm. the social determinants of health are considered a part of that risk in the scoring of a medical decision making. But the caveat is that you also have to document that. So what was that social determinant of health and what did you do to address it? So need to make sure that both of those are documented. And then one, that's capturing the appropriate documentation for that patient. But two, you can also consider that in your E&M level. Wow. So I believe there may have been some changes in reference to shared services going into 2023 as well. The good news is there were planned changes to the shared services for 2023, but there's no new changes for 2023. So the 2022 rule, you had to have the substantive portion of the documentation of the history, exam, or medical decision making, or half the time. And the attending cannot just sign off on the note. A lot of times you would see providers who they would have their PA, they would just sign the note. That could not be considered a shared service. Have to have that substantive portion. Now, the 2023 proposed was they had to document what they performed as half of the time. 
So it was going to be based on they had to have half of the time. But the final rule for 2023, because there was a big uprising, I think, about that, people were not happy at all, Mm -hmm. was to stick with the 2022 rule for now, which was that substantive portion of either that history exam or medical decision making. Also keeping in mind, this is not applicable to residents because residents, it is that teaching type of scenario, not shared services. Sheila, I think that brings a very good point about pushing back, or at the very least, CMS is hearing the clinicians out there. So if you do have an issue, it actually is well worth your time to put in a complaint or provide feedback on the resources within CMS because, well, here's a very good example. They did listen. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. So what are prolonged services and what changes have affected them? So this is another one of those little grain of salt ones Hmm. where the AMA has created these codes. However, Medicare is not going to accept them for the prolonged services the way the AMA has set them up as CPT codes. However, Medicare has set up some G codes for prolonged services, and those can be utilized then for Medicare or anyone who follows those Medicare guidelines. So let's sum this up all together. We have what's going on in reference to observation, the emergency room, consultation, and prolonged codes. Can you give us just a brief summary on each one of those? For all three of them, I think they're really trying to pull it all together. Mm -hmm. I think that's really kind of the whole gist of it and get to that cognitive effort of the provider and attempt to get that consistency between all of them. Like the, the ED example, I need to make sure I'm doing the smoking history on it to make sure I get to that level when it's not relevant. But again, what's that consistency? They're using the same medical decision-making table. Some of the times, if you are using time, they're going to be different between the different types of codes, but documenting that appropriately, if that is the indicator that you're going to be using. And what are you treating? Really, that's the bottom line to all of them. What are you treating? Is it acute or chronic? What data are you using for that? And then kind of what's that risk? What are you doing to assess or treat that patient? That's really what it all boils down to. And it's going to help you with your ENM levels, your risk modeling to show how sick your patient truly is. And everyone's going to be happy then. Being happy is good. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Sheila, thanks for joining us on these two episodes and providing your perspective on these important changes and their effects. And to our listeners, you can contact Sheila at our email address listed on the research section of the podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast at visioninc.com. We posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.